Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Um, what are we doing? So do you have the email about um, the symptoms, embarrassing I, symptoms? Oh, I thought this was your medical history. Mm, it really was. <laughs> <laughs> what made you say that? The erection problem? I thought this was just your personal list of ailments. Mm. Okay, you, you listed like 80 different things here, though. Well, let's start. Okay, all right, let's start. Hey, everyone, it's Dr. Chris Kelly. And I'm Dr. Mark Eisenberg. And this is Am I Dying, a conversational podcast about your symptoms and what to do next. Hey, everyone, welcome to today's show. We are going to be talking about our most embarrassing medical problems. And when I say our, I mean women's. <laughs> Uh, in general, not mine and Mark's, although I'm sure that if anyone listens to the end of this thing, you will hear much more about Mark than you ever, ever wanted to know. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't put these things on match.com, put it that way. No, you probably don't want to promote these problems, but uh, you know what? Although people should learn to love the real you, don't you think? Yeah, lead, lead with your flaws and let them let them earn your, your positive. <laughs> if, you, if you can't love me with syphilis, you don't deserve me in good health. <laughs> anyway, yeah, embarrassing symptoms. I mean, to be honest, a lot of people, they Google those because they're too afraid to like go to a doctor and let the doctor know about the embarrassing symptoms, right? Which is weird because honestly, it's really hard to gross out or, you know, otherwise make a doctor feel awkward. So... I really would strongly encourage. You've been making me feel awkward for years. <laughs> I, the things that people tell me in the office, uh, it's unbelievable. So <laughs> I think that. But that's uh, just your family when they come for checkups. If you come in with something that you think is embarrassing, believe me, I've probably heard a hundred worse things already that day. No, it's true. I mean, you really need to be comfortable with your doctor and, you know. Or see somebody, you, know, you can actually drive to another state. You can go to another state, yeah. tell them your symptoms and see what she or he says. Honestly, the only thing that you remotely need to worry about is if you work at that very hospital, you might consider getting your care elsewhere. That's, I think, an irrational fear, but I know a lot of other doctors who do that. But if you are not professionally linked with the doctor, then you should by all means see them with whatever you have. Because honestly, unless you have like potato vines growing out of your abdomen, they've seen worse that day, guaranteed. That is true. So um, a lot of embarrassing symptoms all do relate around gastroenterologic or sort of, you know, genitourinary, but there's a lot of other embarrassing symptoms that have nothing to do with that whole area, right? But we'll probably get to those too. Let's start with one right now that, that isn't in that area, which is sweating. Yeah, sweating. Some people do sweat a lot and it really actually makes them very anxious. They don't even want to go out in public, especially wearing like a nice shirt. So sweating is a normal physiologic response to your body feeling a little hot. And obviously everyone does it. The reason that we sweat is twofold. Number one, by uh, secreting fluid out onto the skin. When that fluid evaporates, that cools the skin. And so it's just a natural way that our bodies have evolved to cool off, mm -hmm. much in the same way that dogs and, 
as some other animals pant, uh, and that releases uh, by evaporation uh, heat from the body, we sweat. Yeah. So that's normal. And then the other reason that we do it is because bacteria on our body break down that sweat and create these chemicals that may have some role in signaling maybe more in other animals than in humans, but things called pheromones. Uh, and so that's like the reason that we sweat. But in some people, it can happen to a degree that is uh, excessive and inappropriate uh, when they're just minding their own business, doing normal indoor things. They become very sweaty and wet through their shirts, and that's the problem. Yeah. Uh, I thought pheromones is something they use in cologne. They wish they had pheromones in cologne. Those are biologically synthesized. Pheromones are the breakdown products of sweat created by bacteria. And that's why yeah. you have armpit hair and pubic hair. Their evolutionary purpose is to be a sponge for all that sweat and those pheromones so that when people smell you in those places, they're like, oh, you're my type. Oh, gross. Anyway, back, <laughs> back to the sweating. Or so, not. You know, actually, uh, almost 10 million Americans actually complain that they sweat too much. And so what's too much? Uh, so again, there's certain triggers that people normally have that make them sweat when you exercise or when it's really, really hot out. But sometimes people sweat too much when there really are no triggers. So definitely you should let your doctor know because, first of all, they can do some blood work to make sure there's nothing abnormal going on, right? Such as? Well, they can check you for diabetes. Um, you know, they can also check you for abnormal thyroid levels. So yeah. people with high thyroid levels can actually sweat too much. Uh, so one, they should also uh, check those blood tests, but they should also try to rule out infections. Uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of comes down to whether the sweating is a new acute problem for you or you've just always been a sweater. I mean, if you've like for your whole life been an excessive sweater, pretty unlikely that you've just been hyperthyroid the whole time. But yeah, if you've never had that problem before and now you're like overheated all the time and yeah then obviously you need to be checked out and see if you have a fever and check your thyroid and that kind of stuff and a white blood count but it, there's a subgroup of people that just sweat at night so that could just be that your room is too hot <laughs> but if it's not yeah. there's some infections that actually sort of make you sweat more at night like tuberculosis and stuff like that so obviously your uh, doctor's gonna rule out cancers like lymphoma too if, if you're newly sweating at night and losing weight that's definitely concerning Totally. So again, this embarrassing symptom could actually be not just sort of embarrassing, but could actually be serious and need medical attention. Right. But that's usually not the explanation. No. But the truth is for the 10 million Americans out there who complain they sweat too much and it really provides them with anxiety, there are treatments. So you could use like prescription strength per, uh, antiperspirants, right? Like you do. <laughs> Trust me, it's like double prescription strength. Strangely enough, I don't sweat that much. Isn't that weird? Mm, it is strange. You seem like you would. Yeah. The other thing is you can get Botox shots. Do you know anything about Botox shots? And I'm not talking about for the those things around your eyes. I'm talking about for like your sweating. I know I make them to use myself more beautiful. You really are beautiful. But anyway, they I, do. a dermatologist can do Botox shots, and uh, it's usually in the armpits, obviously, right? Yeah, so Botox is a, a poison actually produced by bacteria that can be used to paralyze muscles and that is used often to release wrinkles, although sometimes it can be used medically. And one of those medical applications is for excessive sweating. It also paralyzes sweat glands. Yeah. And so it stops them from producing sweat. So mm -hmm. if you uh, are concerned about your sweating and you don't mind having a needle jabbed into your armpit or groin, um, then uh, <laughs> Botox might give you some relief for several months, but probably you're going to want to try the, the prescription strength antiperspirants first, since those can yeah. also be pretty effective. And then there is a surgical treatment for it too, but that's a little more intense. So, Did you know, Mark, speaking of excessive sweating, that I have seen firsthand with my own two peepers 
that many television personalities, uh, especially men who wear dress shirts on TV, put uh, feminine napkins under their armpits before the show really? starts. Like our competition, you mean? So we're trying to now replace them and get <laughs> off this podcast and be on TV? Well, why, yes. don't we name, why don't we name names so we can get on I TV? I have seen many <laughs> well-recognized A-list celebrities stuff a maxi pad under their arm before going out on camera or on stage uh, but because that, everybody sweats. That wouldn't be considered excessive sweating. That's actually a trigger. You're just nervous. They're on air. Well, I don't think these guys are nervous. They've been doing it for years. I, I, it's, it's not that. It's that everybody sweats and nobody wants to be on national TV like with pit sweat. I, I say this not to out anybody, but just to give everybody comfort that this is a common problem and all of the celebrities get it too. And yeah. uh, it's just a question of how much it bothers you and there are solutions. Well, let's get to another embarrassing symptom. How about bad breath? Mm, yeah. Are you telling me that I should brush my teeth? <laughs> actually, now that everyone's been wearing masks, you know, people actually joke that they actually like realize that maybe their breath is worse yeah. than their It's like they're suffocating themselves. You know, it's funny. I um, I often just toss my mask aside when I get in the car, and if it's a relatively new one, I'll I'll use it again the next day. And my daughter had left like an open bag of Doritos in the front seat of my car, <laughs> and so all day long it smelled like Doritos in my mask. <laughs> <laughs> this is part of your diet plan, right? Yeah, right. So I'm like trying to lose weight and all day long it smells like Doritos, which is, it's not easy. It must be nice for your patients to come to a cardiologist and smell Doritos. But anyway, yeah, bad breath. I don't breath, think they can smell it. But obviously bad breath, you know, could be a sign of something else going on too. So the word is halitosis, right? Mm. Most second graders know that word because they used to go up to you, at least to me, and say, you have halitosis. No, no one has ever told me that, but my condolences to you. Yeah, so obviously, uh, you know, there's toothpaste and breath mix. <laughs> well, but obviously, uh, yeah. you should go oh, to a well, is, is that really the way? So what's the, <laughs> this is such an informative show. What are the reasons that people get halitosis other than just, you know, not brushing and eating gross food? So that's what I was getting to. But anyway, reflux, so acid reflux, you know, you have your mouth, your esophagus, and in the stomach. And the stomach produces acid to kill a lot of the, you know, the bacteria. But sometimes the acid can zoom up to your esophagus and in your mouth and actually be the cause. So the treatment there would be take some antacids. So that helps. Uh, another common cause of halitosis uh, is you can actually have these little pouches oh. uh, in your mouth. Oh, so out. behind the tonsils, uh, you can actually get an accumulation of oh. debris oh, sitting gross. in these little oh. like areas. And then actually in the back of the throat too, sort of uh, right at the top of the esophagus, you can get it, what's called Zenker's diverticulum. Basically these little like pockets where food and other stuff can sit there and just smell horrific oh, oh. and you don't Could swallow you... it. It just sits there and Mark, are you okay? No, please stop. I feel badly <laughs> if a patient ever tells me that and I like cover my ears. <laughs> Is that what kind of doctor you are? People tell you things, you're like, please stop. You sometimes, are too disgusting. Sometimes if they upset me, I just, away. I just black out, which we'll get till next. But anyway, what should these patients do? Who should they see? An ENT doctor? Ears, nose, and throat? Yeah, ENT. If you have a lot of uh, issues with bad breath and you think that it's more of a problem for you than the average person, see an ENT and have them examine your throat and make sure that there's not one of these correctable causes. Yeah. And, you know, sinusitis also can cause bad breath too. That's when your you know, sinuses are inflamed and they drain. So ear, nose, mm -hmm. and throat doctors can help you too. So I guess go to your dentist to make sure you don't have an abscess or some problem with a tooth that could be fixed. And then your ears, nose, and throat, an ENT doctor and go from there. Yep. All right. What's next? A break. How about a break? Should we take a break? 
Sure, of course, we've only talked about two embarrassing symptoms. But yeah, after the break, we'll get to at least three or four more. How about that? I, I think you need to go freshen up because you sound pretty distressed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. We are today talking about embarrassing symptoms that are very common and what they mean and what you can do about them. Uh, our first takeaway was never be embarrassed to tell your doctor about some problem. Unless, Honestly, I'm, a, unless I'm the doctor, obviously, right? Unless it, you're seeing Mark. <laughs> your doctor is probably very compassionate and uh, we see things that you could never even dream of, honestly. And so, but enough about our social life. <laughs> so the things that you think are going to be a, a thing aren't a thing. And we're glad. I, I'm always so relieved when people tell me about things that are embarrassing and concerning to them. Number one, because I feel like it implies that we finally have a certain level of trust, which I appreciate. And number two, uh, because I can help you. I can actually help you with these problems. And I can't help you if I don't know about them because you either don't tell me or you deny it when I ask about it. So tell your doctor. So no no symptom is too embarrassing. Too bad we don't have people who can call in and tell us their, uh, their problem, although maybe they worry about voice recognition. But anyway, here, here's an interesting symptom that's, that might be embarrassing. There are some people that actually black out and fall to the ground when in, like when they hear something funny. Did you ever hear that? Called. I have used that, I admit, to get out of conversations with you. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, that implies you think I'm funny. Anyway, there's a term called cataplexy. And uh, actually, it's pretty serious. One of my friend's siblings has it. Should I mention the friend? Out this I, I wouldn't name them yeah. unless you – right after we tell people, go ahead and tell your doctor your embarrassing <laughs> symptom. You start naming names. You'd be suspicious if there's a recorder in the room. But anyway. Oh, my God. I'm kidding. Talk about mixed messages. Okay. So anyway, hopefully you have hundreds of cousins. Yeah, but it's actually not funny. This poor person, uh, you know, basically when they – what he or she – why don't we say that? When he or she hears a joke, she all of, all of a sudden blacks out like falls to the ground mm -hmm. so i guess one option is just marry someone who's not very funny so, so you've never seen them pass out <laughs> yeah i've tried anyway cataplexy is it's sort of like a loss of consciousness it's actually pretty it's it's pretty uncommon but it does happen it's sort of like you get this sudden brief loss of all your voluntary muscle tone in your body and it's usually triggered by something like an emotion that's like makes you laugh or cry or upset but there are some people that actually you know something happens and they sort of just lose control and they just sort of you know, which is actually different, but could also be as embarrassing as that thing called vasovagal syncope, right? Which yeah, where you actually just that. pass out. 
Yeah, you actually well, I mean, sim similarly, you can get triggered by maybe coughing or bearing down or peeing or pooping, and then you pass out because of a reflex. Or you see blood, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I, it is embarrassing to pass out. No one wants to do that. If you're actually blacking out and lose consciousness when you see blood or something else, that's usually a benign syndrome called vasovagal syncope. I mean, it's not it's not benign if you're like driving a car and you go off a cliff, but but that you should see a cardiologist for or an internist. But if you actually just sort of lose muscle tone, you know, like from a trigger, like you're laughing or you're crying, then you should probably see one of these sleep doctors, right? Because it's sort of it's sort of in line with narcolepsy. Like some people yeah. just sort of fall asleep. I agree. I have not personally witnessed this, but uh, I, that is definitely something that needs to be checked out. I think that it's usually benign in the long run. It's just weird and annoying and uh, something that you have to learn how to manage. Yeah. I mean, it also could be seizures. So, you know, you could always go to a neurologist. But um, but look, the truth is, if you have any of these, there's treatment for it. So, you know, whether it means you need to be well hydrated or they need to put you on some of these like medications, like an antidepressant, not for depression, but it actually changes the hormones in your head to hopefully prevent this. Now, Mark, let's talk about a problem that I know has uh, been the talk of the elevators around Columbia Presbyterian Hospital, which is uh, excess gas. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, I, I, first of all, do you have any sense of what we could consider excess? Well, it's excess if everybody sort of gets out on the floor before they have to. I mean, everyone has gas, right? Like gas is a normal thing, but w when would we consider it excessive? Well, I think if the person thinks it's excessive or if someone, you know, if, the, if it's making the person feel uncomfortable, but the truth is, you know, gas can come from swallowing too much air or, or the bacteria byproduct in our body. I think we have a whole podcast on that, right? It's true. We do. Yep. Yeah. A lot of it is just the food you eat. So if you are having too much gas, then you really got to just watch it with, honestly, it's, it's mostly legumes, beans. Uh, things that have certain complex carbohydrates that can be broken down by the bacteria in your gut and cause gas. So not to name drop, but didn't you sing some like little song on like the Dr. Oz show that when we were actually on it and I never heard of it. And beans, beans, the magical fruit, the more you eat, the more you too. So eat your beans with every meal. Never heard that. But anyway, it can be very embarrassing for some people. Especially were you born fully formed as an adult? <laughs> Did you have a childhood? I mean, because I think that's pretty much like right up there with milk, milk, lemonade, and fudge around the corner as something like that pretty much everybody knows. Or never heard that corner, one. Around the from, corner, fudge is made. You're actually from New Jersey also. I You've never I heard. heard these? Really? No. Anyway, so again um, – Listen, if you do have abdominal bloating and gas and really stresses you out, you know, and it's more than just you just are, are avoiding food, you should get, definitely see a gastroenterologist, a GI doctor. How about Baba Black Sheep? Have you ever heard of that one? No. I heard <laughs> one about diarrhea, but I don't want to say it because it's like I was brought up better. Anyway, let's uh -huh. get to another. Should we get to another embarrassing symptom? Yeah, let's do one more. Oh, just one more? We have so many. There's so many that are you know, out there. But actually, Mark, people can only take so much. That's true. How about uh, people don't want to drive to work hearing about your diarrhea and erectile dysfunction? <laughs> That's a well. Why don't we talk about erectile dysfunction? But then we're gonna have sure. to pick something for women too, so it doesn't look like we're only concentrating on half our listeners. So erectile dysfunction. Since I, from what I heard, you're the expert. Why don't you talk about it? Well, um, I don't know where you heard that, but there is. It's a very common problem. I would say most men will at some point in their lives feel like their erection is not happening with the normal frequency or strength or spontaneity that it once did, perhaps. Uh, I would say that there's 
a lot of different potential causes and contributing factors to this, but I think the by far the most common uh, reason is just psychological. Yeah, I think a lot of guys can get performance anxiety, uh, stress, um, and just not be able to get themselves in the space where they can get an erection. And, and the way that you know that that's probably the cause is if your erectile dysfunction is situational, meaning yeah. that you know you can get an erection no problem when you're. Uh, you're just waking up in the morning or masturbating or what have you. But, you know, when you it comes time to perform with a partner, then you start running into issues. Yeah. Or alcohol can cause it too, right? Yeah. So then there's along the same spectrum of psychological alcohol, altered mental status can definitely cause it too. Yeah. Um, and then, then, you know, there's the medical causes. Uh, so there's vascular issues, so blood flow issues to the penis. If the penis is not getting enough uh, brisk blood flow when it needs it, then you can't achieve an erection. And, you know, that can happen in men who have other vascular problems. Yeah. So, you know, if you have plaque in the arteries in your heart or your neck, then you're more likely to have it in the arteries going to the penis too. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you smoke, if you have high cholesterol, diabetes, high blood pressure, all the same risk factors for heart disease can also cause vascular disease going to the penis. And that's, that's really where medications like uh, Viagra and Cialis are most helpful because they relax those arteries uh, and help increase blood flow and, and yeah. that, it helps you get an erection. But uh, the truth is, again, if you wake up in the morning with an erection, some days at least, or every day, then it's obviously not a, uh, an organic problem with your body. But let's say you don't, and you also have problems performing with somebody, you know, the truth is it could be a, a heart issue. Well, it could be an issue be linked, to a, heart linked issue. to a heart issue. So you should definitely see a, a heart doctor because probably another embarrassing symptom is having a heart attack during sex, right? Well, I don't know if that's embarrassing, but that's obviously highly distressing. No. Uh, but before we get on that extremely interesting detour, uh, let me just finish the erectile dysfunction because I actually have a whole spiel on this because a lot of patients come to me with this. And so I talk about this a lot and that's because not because I'm a urologist, but because my patients all have heart disease. And as we just said, many people with heart disease have erection issues too. Uh, other things that can cause that medications. So some of the medications that we use to treat heart disease can also cause erection problems, things like yeah. beta blockers um, and diuretics. Uh, so so we, we could actually be the cause of their erection problems. <laughs> yeah, Mark, I think you've been the cause for erection <laughs> problems since long before you got your medical license. No, but I mean, honestly, if it really is a medication, just don't stop the medication until you speak to your doctor. Don't say, I'm not taking anything. Because, right. You know, your doctor could change the medication to something else. And then there's hormonal issues. Uh, so low testosterone levels um, can cause erection problems often, but not always. This will be associated with uh, decrease in libido, hair loss, uh, weight change, and some other things besides just the erection issues, but sometimes that's it. And then uh, neuro neuropathic issues, so issues having to do with nerves. So for example, people who have diabetes or other medical problems that can affect nerves can get abnormal sensation and uh, abnormal innervation down there, and that can also interfere with uh, getting and maintaining an erection. So there is there's a workup, but I think that most guys probably just want to check themselves at stop number one, which is psychological, and make sure that that's not the issue. And if it isn't, uh, talk to your doctor about it. We have a whole podcast, and I think we have a whole chapter on erectile dysfunction in our uh, book, Am I Dying? But let's get to the one more before we end, and um, vaginal dryness. So mm -hmm. vaginal dryness actually is a, a big problem for a lot of women. You know, yes. I think half of women over a certain age 
maybe it's 50 actually complain of vaginal dryness. And the problem with vaginal dryness is not just people might be upset about it and uncomfortable with it, but it also actually can cause painful intercourse and it could also predispose you to urinary tract infections, right? Yeah. Vaginal dryness is a pretty common problem and it gets more common with age. And as you say, it's really something that requires attention and intervention when it causes pain, uh, especially pain, uh, during intercourse, but especially pain not during intercourse, um, when it causes uh, infections like urinary infections or when it just in, in any way interferes with quality of life. Yeah. Especially among older women, really the main treatment for vaginal dryness is actually intravaginal estrogen. Yeah. Um, because the reason it occurs is estrogen deficiency. And so you can deliver estrogen straight to the source mm -hmm. uh, and, and deal with it. And in younger people, I mean, it happens when women are breastfeeding. Um, obviously, menopause, it happens. But even before that, when women are breastfeeding, they could have it. Uh, and some medications can also cause it too, including some oral contraception. So here they are ready to like have a active sex life. And then, you know, the medication is prohibiting them from actually having it. Um, oh my God, Mark, let's strike that comment from the record. Why? <laughs> I don't think anyone starts going on oral contraception and is like, here I come world, I'm ready to screw. No, no, that's not what I mean. I'm just saying to make life easier. But anyway, the other uh, other medications that can cause uh, vaginal dryness are a lot of the antihistamines that people don't realize, like the medications you take for allergies, like Benadryl and they can make you know, it dry everywhere. I yeah. Mean, so again, it might be good. It might be good because it's making your runny nose go away, but it might also be screwing up other parts of your body. Indeed. Indeed. Well, we hope that this show helps somebody listening out there with one of these problems who's just been too shy, too awkward, too scared to get it checked out. Uh, again, take home messages. Nothing should be kept from your doctor uh, if it's interfering with your quality of life because, you know, even if they can't help you, there is a doctor who can and, and you should do everything you can to have the best possible quality of life. And if you have one of these specific problems, hopefully these tips are helpful for you. Yeah, and the other thing is, although you might just see them as an embarrassing symptom, they could actually be linked to an actual real problem you're having that can be treated. Well, they're a real problem to begin with, but a, a broader problem or perhaps a more dangerous problem. And less okay, so we'll go with that. More dangerous, problem. severe problem. Cool. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Am I Dying is a production of Offscript Media. Our executive producer is Matthew Zachary. Andrew McDowell is our senior producer. Darren Tun is our production intern. Am I Dying is recorded, mixed, and edited by Ariel Nachman. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments and feedback. For more information, visit Offscript. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.